Hey, what's up? This is Tainzu, and thanks for tuning in to Prominent Albums Live, a podcast where we promote the compassion, emotion, and power of healing through today's newest and most prominent albums. Once again, I'm Tainzu, your host, and let's get this episode started. returning listeners and welcome to the second part of our debut episode of prominent albums live my brand new podcast my name is tain zoo and i'm coming at you live from the big apple the one and only new york city now i hope all of you listened to the first part of this episode but if you didn't then it's okay i got you covered just go listen to it please you can find us on spotify or the best place to look for us is on our website albumslive.org but like I said, you can also find us on Spotify. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, Breaker, and coming soon to more. Um, just keep, just look for us on whatever streaming platform you have. And if it's not there, you can always listen to us on our website. That's albumslive.org. I decided to split up our debut episode into two parts just because we have so much exclusive and amazing content for you for on this record. And I'm just really excited to be, to be back and discussing the rest of this album and sharing it with you. I truly feel like the next um, part of this album and the interlude that is following and song truly take the album to a dramatic turn and I hope you'll agree with me. Once again we have Jared with us along with Banafi herself. We would really appreciate you for listening. Here is the next song on the album. It, uh, the interlude is, is called Don't Go Sharing Your Clothes following by Contagious which is amazing. Here it is. Follow your own path. Spike 
Happen to know that this is debatably your favorite song on the album, so I think I'm going to let you take it from here and start with this one. Yeah, I definitely think it's probably my favorite on the album. It's what got me listening to her as well. I think it showed up on um, like one of my discovery, I think my discovery weekly playlist on Spotify, and um, yeah, it's how I kind of fell in love with her. But I do you think it's 
maybe one of the most personal sounding songs on the album. And I think the more I listen to this interlude, uh, Don't Go Sharing Your Clothes, kind of leading into the song, kind of sets it up as this breakup song. There's some subtle lyrics about expressing grief over a breakup. It's kind of this moody 90s guitar strumming and her soft kind of voice that she's almost singing in a whisper. And then kind of halfway through that interlude, it kind of adds this drum beat um and i really appreciate the line at the end um which is my every roadmap leads me back to you just kind of a beautiful line and um and as you heard it's kind of at the end of the song contagious as well but and and relatable maybe as well mm -hmm, yep um yeah and i think the song contagious kind of starts off with this expression of um that inner dialogue again, where she says, don't give up on us, I'll show you, don't give up. Banafi has a way of inserting these little details that are so personal, but something that we can all relate to. So this idea of wake, you know, walking alone after a breakup, it's kind of this really small thing, but I think it's something that can actually be quite painful. And I appreciate that it can be taken as this like literal physical pain, walking alone without this person's a new, thing it's painful but it can also be taken as more of a metaphorical walking right she now has to carve this new life post relationship walking alone is going to be new it's going to be excruciating and then there's this little detail of like a white mitsubishi um and this idea that everything you see in here is going to remind you of this person that you you know had a falling out with and i think okay but now every time i see a, any mitsubishi <laughs> on the road this song is the first Me thing too. i think of i it's it's so catchy and i don't know why it's i can't figure out why that part is so that's the way she sings it for sure um yeah and i think the chorus just has this what i think is a, a pretty gut-wrenching line which is think i'm contagious with something you don't want and there's just something about that that really pulls on my heartstrings and I think it's maybe because we've all felt that way in some capacity whether that be with a romantic partner or maybe just a friendship that's drifted away but it can be really difficult feeling like you are the person that's done something wrong um and you know you want things to work so badly but you also don't want to be the person that turns everything to rot as as she says and I love that before she sings the chorus the last time in the song we just hear her repeating that inner monologue again don't give up on this I'll show you don't give up it's awesome that it's just kind of like right before that the last chorus because it's almost as her realizing that this relationship's not going to work and she has to kind of move on from things um and like I said, we hear that line from the interlude kind of echoed at the end of the song. It's just the narrator, Urbana, reflecting on the relationship and her space within it. She feels like every roadmap is pointing at this person and everything in her life is leading her to this person. But... Yeah, I totally, totally get what you're saying. Um, and by the way, you described this song and put it its general beat and tone into words so perfectly. Um, I think you're absolutely correct about the tone of the song. I And I also could not agree more that Benafi is sh- 
again, showing us her inner monologue in the song and showing us two completely different sides, or could I maybe even say egos within herself? Um, I have to be honest and say that initially this song didn't quite do it for me. It almost felt incomplete to me. Um, That was until I listened to the entire album front to back, track by track in order. Um, And then there was this moment of clarity when the whole concept of the album and the song kind of came together for me. And it was then that I really came to truly love this song. Um, This interlude is spot on as well. Um, Personally, I think I like this interlude possibly the best on the whole album, maybe with the exception of Tennis Fans, um, how Tennis Fan opens up. Um, But it sort of takes you to a new interplanetary atmospheric. Um, I think you described it as Jared, Pop World, where Banafi makes the rules. Uh, This song almost to me is her way of saying I can have the upper hand too. The song really shows that Benafi is taking music to a new place, the future you might even call it, while also putting us in our feels. Following the interlude, Contagious, which is a dramatic and devastating ballad, don't get me wrong, Walking Alone is like a new thing, because I've loved you 100 years and I've walked beside you. Benafi compares getting space from her with being contagious. Um, It's kind of ironic to me that this song, almost in a sense, has become... Our new reality, just a few short months after it was released. I mean, we are now going through a pandemic, and now that we have had to change our daily routines, distance from one another, the track um, of our lives has rather become... um, rather relatable. Um, it, if you want space, I'll give you all I've got. Think I'm contagious with something you don't want. All I can say is, whoa, like, like all pandemics aside, I think that we have all been here in this exact spot um, where a partner or maybe even just a close friend asks for space or the other way around. You ask for space being that we want space from them. And Banafi perfectly describes how it feels for those of us that have been in that situation. I'll show you, don't give up on us. What a powerful message and emotional connection she creates with this song. As I mentioned before, I took a, it took a moment for me to warm up on this one. But now that I've, I have, I absolutely love it. This song really shows us that you do not have to stick with or be bound to one genre. Um, Banafi, do you prefer to stay with one genre or do you prefer to change it up? I do like to go in and out of genres. I find it much more fun. Um, Benafi, I mean, honestly, that was kind of a rhetorical question, obviously, because from this, just listening to this album, you can tell um, that you obviously like to kind of bend genres and not necessarily necessarily stick with one. Um, You can hear multiple genres in just one of your songs, it seems like to me, um, which is really amazing. It's kind of rare, honestly. Um, So next, we're going to play for our listeners um, my personal very favorite track. This is called Chevron. Um, I love this song, you guys. And I mean, it relates to me because I've been in the situation and um, we'll ask Banafi more about the situation she's describing in this song um, once after we play it for you. So here it is, Chevron. Doing 70 on the freeway. Smoke coming out the hood. Toman says it's 90. Bogging him down to 80. Cause I can't even dance for my money No, they won't give me cash I'm breaking my back for my money Dollar bills piling up on the dash So I dash across the street To the only thing that's open I need something to eat 
I even say anything banafi wow i mean you slayed in this fucking song i've heard this song probably at least a hundred times since the album came out and i still get chills and goosebumps listening to it every single time without a doubt this is the most haunting song on the album but it also happens to be my personal favorite song off the album and that's because i love fucking depressing songs this song is a good reminder to us all that we all have to start somewhere in life and banafi makes it clear to her fans and listeners that she worked hard to get to where she is today she did not get to where she is in life to creating look at us now dad for free she paid her dues and had some times where she wanted to give up just like many of us she just had a dream and it was an exceptionally difficult one to achieve but she approved to us that she did it and here she is with look at us now dad and um, this song chevron doing 70 on the freeway smoke coming out the hood Toman says it's 90. I bargain him down to 80. The Australian singer singer's roots really show in the opening of this song. I really love how much her accent comes out in this song because it kind of um it kind of sets the tone for her personality, I feel like. I feel like it really shows us who Banafi truly is. Um the artist hits painful yet optimistic highs in this song. And with those highs come some vicariously down under lows. I can't even dance for my money. They won't give me cash. So I'm selling my gear for my money. The best things I ever had. Yeah, I definitely think you can hear that it was birthed from kind of that low point or painful moment, like you said. Um, I think for me, again, it's just these little small details that she has the ability to insert in her songs that kind of paint this picture scene. Um for the listener so it it allows me to kind of really fall into this world right and i think chevron really does this so some of the little details i like are you know smoke coming out of the hood you mentioned a couple of the other ones um doing 70 on the freeway um things like that um and I think musically, she has these little details as well. There's these little synth and guitar bloops kind of throughout the song. Um, and it just 
sounds so nice. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's just such a cool, like warm and breezy song. And I definitely, definitely feels like kind of like a windows down driving at night, summer kind of feel for me. So I dig this song. I totally get that. I totally get that um, from you. And something I kind of want to add as well. Um, and I actually just kind of thought of this randomly now. Um, this song, I, I feel if you just listen to this song straight out of the gates without ever hearing of Banafi or any of her other music, I think it's one of those songs where you would listen to it and kind of be like, what is this? You know, it's kind of uh, seems, it, it's just different. It's so different that it's almost out, outer worldly. And it's almost as if it's so far into the future that I don't know. I don't know if I feel that um, humanity was quite ready for a song like this yet. <laughs> but that being said, when you listen to the entire album, it fits Agreed. perfectly right Agreed. where she put it. And and so I think, I mean, you know, you hear the first lines and it's kind of like, what what is she saying? What is she trying to even what is what is the point of this? But then you listen to the to the chorus, you know, um, I can't even dance for my money. They won't. They won't give me cash. I don't know. I just, I say it, it really, it all comes together. And um, it's another one of those songs that puts the album together in a new perspective. Um, I particularly like the lyric. Um, I think Jared, you said you also really like it. Toman says it's 90. I bargained him down to 80. And there is actually a particular story behind this part of the song. Um, Banafi um, is going to share that story with us right now. Banafi, can you share us with uh, kind of what happened that night um, when your, your car broke down in Los Angeles? I literally just cried on the phone. I was like, I fucking can't handle this. Uh, I'm either going to sit here on the side of the road with my car or you can take me down 10 bucks. But out of it came one hell of a pop chorus and a pop song that has the ability to take us all to that point in our lives when we were at rock bottom and starting from nowhere. What about you, Jared? What What do you have to say about this song? I definitely... <laughs> think you can hear that it was birthed from kind of that low point or painful moment like you said um i think for me again it's just these little small details that she has the ability to insert in her songs that kind of paint this picture scene um for the listener so it it allows me to kind of really fall into this world right and i think chevron really does this so some of the little details i like are you know smoke coming out of the hood you mentioned a couple of the other ones um doing 70 on the freeway um things like that um and i think musically she has these little details as well there's these little synth and guitar bloops kind of throughout the song um and it just sounds so nice <laughs> there's no other way to put it it's just such a cool like warm and breezy song and i definitely definitely feels like kind of like a windows down driving at night summer kind of feel for me so i dig this song i seriously dig this song too though like it's such a banger in my opinion um but it's like a sad banger you know and it's kind of crazy that banafi found a way to make such a sad song such so uh catchy and just so like m melodic you know um 
so what a shitty night to have, though. And uh, let me tell you, L.A. is no fun place to be stranded. I have been stranded and broken down in L.A. before, and it was horrible. So I feel this song on a spiritual level, level Bonafi. So you've recorded songs back home in Australia. Um, you're from Melbourne, I believe, right? And you have recorded here in the States. Which do you prefer? Like, do you like recording better in the United States, or do you like recording back home better? The things I like about LA are very personal. I've found people there who I really love and who I feel really see me. Um, it's really nice to have my social circle be majority artists in LA, not because, not for any snobby reason, but basically because they understand the type of life that we all lead in terms of touring or like needing to hide away for a month to write or whatever. And it's really nice to be able to sort of support each other and help each other um, through some of the business conundrums you come through or the emotional conundrums you come through in being an artist. Um, and I like that people collaborate in LA. Um, I feel like people collaborate a lot more in LA than in Melbourne. The things I like about Melbourne uh, that it's so fucking beautiful and so easy to live in. Um, it's much easier to live in Melbourne than, than LA. Pay's better, food's better, coffee's better, vibe's better. But for my work, I need to be in LA and I need those supportive people around me. I just want to know, Banafi, do you plan on coming back to the States to record your next album or do you plan on recording back home? Yeah. Um, I would like to go back to the States to record my album just because a lot of people that I work with are over there. Um, and it's my home these days. LA is my home and I miss it desperately. So as soon as this passes, I'll, I'll be back there. If that's in a long time, then maybe the album will get written here. Well, in any case, the next song on the album is an interlude called That Sort of Stuff. And the song following is called Permission. Um, and I'm going to play it all for you right now. Been amazing. Yes. Why? Oh, I just had these incredible things happening to me. Like what? Internal stuff. Oh well. Um, like last night, I went to bed at seven thirty, and I just my body was racked for a lot of the night with this incredible intensity. It was like, you might call it anxious intensity. And it just kept coming and going and coming and going until eventually it turned into this non-stop sort of blissful ecstasy inside my body. It's like, it felt like some incredible sort of emotional catharsis and I had I had a few breakthrough understandings of my whole fucking life and um, that sort of stuff. Thank you. 
interlude is kind of a casual conversation that she has with her dad but what I love so much about it is that it's her dad who's kind of older and he's ruminating on this experience he had coming to terms with aspects of his life and I think that's exactly what Banafi's trying to do with a lot of these songs on this album and then permission starts and it's like kind of this really jarring <laughs> auto-tuned ballad and I honestly really only like auto-tune when it's done well and it adds to the emotion of a song and I definitely think Permission fits that bill there's something about the shakiness of her auto-tuned vocals throughout the song that it just adds more of this emotional weight to what she's singing about I think there's this subtle theme of kind of assault um, within this song you can kind of interpret it that way and I definitely think that the auto-tune kind of adds some more emotion to that with some of these, like, there's some really intense lyrics in this song. Like, one thing that stuck out to me was, I'll pull those words right from your mouth, like string wound teeth, trying to yank them out. It's like almost, almost violent, a violent lyric. You know what I mean? I actually agree with you a lot um, on this song as well. Um, the auto-tune specifically, I mean... 
for the most part, I hate when artists use this popular effect auto-tune, you know, because for the most part, artists who are using it are using it to cover up their voice, obviously trying to change their voice, make it better than it really is. However, I think that Banafi used this effect, this rather infamous effect that most people hate, and she really put a positive spin on it because... um it's not that Banafi is trying to cover up her voice or trying to make her voice sound better. It's that she's trying to add a dramatic effect to this song and to her voice so that we can kind of get the feeling and get those emotions that she felt during this experience that she might be describing. Um, and so I completely agree with you. Um, Bravo to Banafi for um, how she incorporated autotune um, in a positive aspect and in a positive way into this song. Uh, perhaps the most intriguing and confusing portion of the album is this interlude for permission. The voice of a man describes these incredible, strange things that are happening to him. I'm not sure who this man is. Um, I'm skeptical of whether it's her dad or her brother, um, but it could, who knows? It could be anybody. Um, but he describes these incredibly strange things that are happening to him. It just kept coming and going until eventually it turned into this nonstop blissful ecstasy. It almost sounds as if this man was under the influence of some sort of hallucinogen. Um, I had a breakthrough understanding of my whole fucking life, he proclaims. This almost makes me wonder if Banafi experienced this, what is she? What they are calling a breakthrough on her life, or perhaps the opposite? The interlude is only the beginning of permission. Hold that thought; it's yours to keep. She proclaims to the man. I never asked what you think. I never asked how you felt. Banafi takes us takes back her power from this man, who is, in my opinion, referring to probably her father. But like I said, that's up to. Um, listeners for debate um i never asked for permission banafi yearns and she doesn't need to ask for for it because banafi trembles as she sings i'll put pull those words right from your mouth like string wound teeth trying to yank them out i think jared you said that was your one of your favorite lines that stood out and um it was also one of mine um in this song banafi is as vulnerable as you will ever see her and truth be told a vulnerable Banafi is the best Banafi because the auto-tuned vocalizations um, and effects within permission capture that vulnerability perfectly and precisely. And so after I heard this song, I was it was just it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, and I think it's very eye-opening. And I like that you mentioned, Jared, that perhaps um, it could be describing an assault that happened to somebody she knows, or maybe even herself. Um, and I think that's an, it right now is an important time to mention that and to share that experience um, so that others can be strong and can stand up and put an end to it. And so I really like that analyzation, Jared. Thank you. The next song you're about to hear is called this is for me. And you're hearing it right here on prominent albums live. <laughs> Got it. You see me how many times when I'm on it? 
indicator Right, yeah baby, blue is in my every Do you remember when I asked you If you could help me find the exit It's more than pointed to yourself But now I got it, I don't need your help Every song's about you Every song is for you Every song's about you Every song is for you This is for me Every every song living for the synthetic dance beat that this song has this song for me is a continuation of permission i know i've said it for a few other songs and i will say it again banafi gives off this i don't give a fuck attitude that we all need and deserve in our lives right now every song's about you this is for me well after all from listening to the ups and downs of the rest of the record i think we can all be in agreement that she deserves at least one song that is truly for her call her selfish if you want but this is for me is a banger and in my opinion what makes it stand out is that it is in fact the only song on the album in which she really gives herself the credit and applause that she deserves don't tell Benafi nothing because I'm pretty sure she already knows it. Jared, how do you feel about this song? Yeah, definitely such a kind of fun middle finger <laughs> attitude song. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know you already mentioned this, but I love that this is just like the one song that she's like, you know, who, whoever this person she's been singing about, this is the song that she's like, nope, you know what? This this one's going to be for me. I'm, I'm doing healthy. I'm doing great. You don't need to be sorry. You know, this is just right. She's like, this me. is my album and <laughs> this song's about me. Yeah. And it's kind of like this bold statement in a long tradition, especially in pop music. You know, a lot of pop music's about breakups. And so it's kind of bold for her to, yeah. to take the one song and actually sing like, hey, this isn't about you, this song. This this one's just for me. So um, and yeah. it's kind of a fun, catchy beat, like you said. It gets stuck in my head easy. And there's this moment right before she sings the first chorus where there's like this beat of silence. I don't know if you guys heard it, but for me, that's just something that I really love hearing. Um, it's definitely one of my favorites on the album. I completely agree with you. And I um, kind of just um, came up with this now, but there is a lyric in this song that I will never be able to get over. And it's when she says, 
don't tell me you're sorry. I'm pretty sure you already know that I already know it. And that is like my favorite. Like, I just love it. <laughs> like, whatever you tell me, I'm pretty sure I already know it. So don't even try. Like, right. I just, Shut the I love the vibe. <laughs> yep. She shuts any anybody who's coming in her way down immediately before they even start speaking. And for me, that is such a powerful statement because she has every right to do so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the next song we're going to be playing for you is called Ripe, and it just so happens to feature one of the best and hottest queer icons of our time, Cupcake. This is called Ripe featuring Cupcake, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we do.
It should come as no surprise that Banafi would pick someone as fierce and self-confident as Cupcake for a duet. This energetic and banging track brings out Banafi's R&B vibe that she has always been known for um, previously before this album. Cupcake is one of the defining and defying and queer R&B icons of our time. Bringing her onto the track really gives it the female empowerment and innovation to the forefront. Um, And I also recommend checking out the music video for the track, which I will leave a link uh, link for along with this podcast on our official website and on the page official page for this episode. Jared, what do you think of Ripe? Yeah, I think it's also a song where kind of the narrator, Banafi, is kind of realizing that this person they've been with or relationship that they've been with, you know, that can either be friends or romantically, but they're kind of realizing that, that this person's not a good person. Um, and I think the metaphor of kind of comparing a broken or splintered relationship with a piece of overripe fruit is um, really wow. fitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I do think that like ripening can either happen very fast, right? Yeah. But if you kind of think of things very scientifically, it can be kind of a slowed down process as well, which can happen in a relationship. Things can kind of splinter over time. Um, and then you already kind of mentioned this, but Cupcakes always has some ferocious lines and always. her just coming in kind of midway through this track and kind of spitting off these raps about not taking shit just kind of adds to the sentiment that she's trying to get out with the song. So... <laughs> Yeah, I like actually how you brought that up as well. Um, It kind of actually made me realize um, after you saying that, that really this entire album is just one giant metaphor. I mean, and believe me when I say that, because I say it with the most, in the most respectful way possible, I have so much appreciation and respect for both Banafi and Cupcake. Um, But you're right. I mean, Cupcake is one of the most self-confident, um, R&B artists of our time, um, rappers of our time. Um, and she's, I think that it was um, a great choice. I think that she really, um, I think she really gave this track an edgier, an edgier side. Um, I have so much appreciation and respect for, for Banafi, like I said, and how she has created all of these instances of metaphors, personifications that really give this album the meaning and intensity that it has. So um, we asked Banafi what the song Ripe is about, and this is what she had to say. Ripe is about when I first moved to America, um, I was sort of picked up and encouraged by some pretty like up there people. I'm not going to name names, but um, a couple of pretty famous musicians uh, actually flew me around the world because they wanted to meet with me and ask if I wanted to do collaborations with them. And I was super excited. I was super young. Um, And when I got there, I realized that there wasn't really anything in it for me except for that they wanted to sort of exploit my art and try and make their art look fresher by using like underground artists to give them their ideas. So basically I was with a bunch of like really famous people for like two days and I realized that it was really sleazy and that I was going to be exploited for my music and that they were going to like, you know, they were telling me like I needed to work out all the time and keep fit and that I was going to lose my body and like all these horrible things. 
Um, and so I got out of there. I got out of there, flew back to my place in LA and wrote this song that was literally like, get away. Like, I've just realized that I'm not the one losing out on this situation. You're literally like so desperate to find something good to make you fresh again that you're like flying like young kids all over the world and trying to make them feel like they're lucky when really you're lucky to have them in your presence. That was kind of the gist of the song. So the first initial meaning that I extract from the lyrics of this song and the first thing that I thought of when I first heard this song was that it pertains to perhaps the people in the music industry, how they can almost lure you in and in an essence, it can end up being very toxic for the artist and the artist's work. Would that be at all an accurate statement, Benafi? That's what it's about. It's like, you can't gaslight me anymore. I'm done. Because there's this whole thing, when when you leave an industry or, or you leave a group of people who are really successful, they always say to you, you're losing out, like, you're crazy, this is your biggest shot, or this is your only shot, you know? And it's always like, yo, stop trying to make me the crazy one, you're in your own world of bullshit. So can you take me through exactly how the creative process panned out and began with this song and tell us how it blossomed into such a sassy queer anthem. Here is the rap demo. Have a listen. Started with this horrible So that was the track before you got into touch with Cupcake. Can you tell us how your collaboration with Cupcake happened? I got Cupcake on this track literally by sending an email. I got my publicist at the time to send an email, which is on her Instagram account. <laughs> and we sent her the song and I was like, she's not gonna, she's not gonna be into this. And she was. 
Um, so it was wild. I was just like, okay, sick. Um, keep in mind, I got her to record this in 2017, so she wasn't as famous as she is now. Okay, so you've recorded with Cupcake, you've produced with Sophie, Empress of, King Princess. Is there anyone else you want to collaborate with, or have? do you have any dream collabs? I would love to collaborate with someone like Young Lean, um, or Blady. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool rap coming out of Europe. Um, Tommy Cash is really cool. Um, I know you are a huge Dua Lipa fan, right? That would be something. Oh my god, me and Dua Lipa, it would be a vibe, right? I mean, I feel like we would get along. She's got sick style. I also love the video, you know, the video where they say she's not putting in any effort, where she's performing, but she's just like, don't show up, don't come out. I kind of love that. I'm like, you fucking boss, give them nothing. Give them nothing. Um, so I'd be like if the world was asking me to do shit all the time. Me and Lady Gaga would be sick too. It is so funny that you mentioned Lady Gaga because personally, um, I am Lady Gaga's biggest fan. And everyone who knows me knows that. I have like multiple Lady Gaga tattoos. I am a little monster far out and I will be until the day I die. Um, you and Dua Lipa would also be so amazing, let me tell you. Um, I really hope you do some more collaborations because when you collab with like Sophie and other uh, artists who are just incredible like you have, um, you just end up with some really, really great tracks. Some tracks that I just like... I am so thankful that we have because without them, they've changed my life. So without them, life would just be different. So I'm really thankful for your collaborations and I hope you continue to, to do more. And you know something I like about you, Banafi? The thing I like about you is that you work with a lot of producers and you get many different perspectives and additions to your music from various artists. But not only do you do that, you also always openly give credit to every person who helps you on every song, on every album. And that's something that I really admire about you and is a rarity in the music industry these days is giving due credit like you do yourself. Of course I've gotten help on each track and I really want to honor that. And that's why, you know, everyone gets a call out who worked on my record. And I want to always do that because people worked for free. People worked for, you know, like barely any points. They really stuck their neck out for me. But but at the end of the day, I have to acknowledge that I did a lot of the work too. I am honestly so sad right now because we have come to the last interlude and song on the album. Um, I have had such a great time going through each and every one of these songs with Banafi, with Jared, and with all of our listeners. So thank you so much for going through this album with us. Um, that being said, this is the last track on the song. Uh, stick around though, we'll have a little bit of a final summary and closing of the album for you at the end um, and we hope you enjoy this last song it it honestly uh, puts the album at a true closing which is what um, I think every good album needs is a good closing a good start and a good close and it, this album has both of those things so here's the closing of the album the interlude is called I Let You Down and the, ti the song is titled Look At Us Now Dad and here it is I like I was I lied. 
I lied and told you I was better. Banafi confesses in the interlude to Look at Us Now, Dad, the title track of her debut album. Banafi decided to close this album with a slow, guitar-emphasized track in which she labels her mom to have a bottle in her hand and a father with PTSD from the war. The song sounds to be an odd to her father, by the lyrics, it sounds like Martha Brown has become distant from her father or had disagreements. But that being said, she is ready to put those things aside. I want to be kind to you. You know that I try for you. Let's hope that her father has listened to her album and specifically this song, in which largely explains the pain and disheartment that she has felt about their relationship over the years. Look at her now, Dad. Jared, what do you think about this song? Yeah, as you said, I think it's the interlude's kind of this confession. You know, she lied. She's really not doing better. I think there's kind of this vagueness of it that makes it more powerful for me because it makes me wonder, you know, how has she not gotten better? <laughs> um, but more than that, it makes me think of maybe some own things in my own life that I can work on. I think there's, yeah. you know, there's, we've all had those moments where people, where we tell people we're doing fine when really we're not <laughs> doing fine at all. It's so definitely another one of those relatable mm-hmm. tracks, right? Yeah. But then I think the final song really paints a picture of family distress and addiction. A bottle is referenced in the beginning of the song, as well as a tin can later, which are all references to alcohol. There's also something about the way the song is sung that points at some sort of inherited addiction, grief and abuse. These things can be generational, right? Like addiction can be genetic, as we've kind of heard. Absolutely. And I think the song kind of explores that beautifully. I kind of have a take that she's kind of singing at the beginning about her father's childhood and what he experienced with his parents at the beginning of the song, but then it's kind of spliced. I like in between. I love that take. Yeah, it's kind of spliced in between though these like moments of Banafi proclaiming that she doesn't want to see him struggle because of his past, and I I think there's a line yeah. that kind of points perfectly at that in the second verse where she sings what was theirs is yours and now it's mine and it's almost like this apology yeah. this song of Banafee saying like I know you and I haven't always seen eye to eye dad but I want to be there for you I want to be kind to you it's actually kind of really touching and heartwarming um, so. you know that's that's a really a beautiful way of looking at this song Jared because I uh, honestly my I mean, my take is similar, but it wasn't quite to that extent. I mean, I really like how you um, how you explain that at the beginning of the song, maybe she's talking about her father's struggles. You know what I mean? And I really love that. Um, yeah. I, I think that maybe you're completely right. Maybe she is talking about that. Maybe she's talking about her father's struggle and her struggle. Maybe it's generational. Maybe yeah. it runs in the family. You know, maybe she's saying, well, her dad's, her dad's mother had a bottle and her mother had a bottle. So now yeah. she needs to have a bottle. Who knows? Um, there's so many different takes that you can have on this song as well. I mean, yeah. and um, what really does this song in for me is that um, it kind of, puts this album together completely organizationally in a storyline. I mean, when you listen to the album from front to finish and you finish it out with such a dramatic um, song about her dad, I mean, it, it kind of just closes the album out and it almost 
doesn't just close the album, but it cl- almost shows us that she's closing that chapter in her life. Um, yeah, that's a good take so, on that. I like that. I almost, I almost wonder what the next album will be like and what she's going to write about next. Now that this chapter is closed with her dad, or perhaps maybe it's, maybe it's not closed. Maybe it's just the beginning of a new chapter with her dad. Um, that we will have to, to only time can tell. We'll have to wait. Um, but like I said, what a way to end what is an incredible, dramatic, and might I say adventurous album. I don't think I even need to ask who this song is about. Like we said, it's most likely about her dad. You can tell by the, the title, by who, how she's describing him. Can you tell me, Benafi, are there any similarities between you and your father? I mean, um, what was it like? You know, um, how, how can you describe this song and relate it to your relationship with your father? What are the similarities between me and my dad? We're both Virgos. We're both highly self-critical. Um, we're both really bad in big groups. Um, I may appear very confident and happy on stage or on here, but in groups of people, I get really shy and I sort of shut down. I have issues with, um, like, uh, what am I talking about? like when my sensations get flooded. So when there's lots of people talking at once or something, I get a bit fucked up um, and I have to leave. Sometimes I cry. That's just me. I fucking hate big groups. People interrupting each other is my worst nightmare. Like it gives me the worst anxiety in the world. Um, It's really interesting. I actually had a funny conversation with my partner yesterday. We were at the supermarket and he was ordering things like, in a way that I wouldn't order them to go into the shopping bags. And I got so anxious that I nearly burst into tears. It was this strange thing where I realized that like my OCD about order and the way I like things to go is so extreme (laughs) that I cried about someone putting things in the wrong order into a shopping bag. I know we have already discussed each interlude and song individually and broken them down for you, but I just want to take a moment to discuss how these interludes truly gave this record the strength and almost binds each of its songs to one another to form a chronological story. Take the interlude for Fuckwit, for example. I don't think the song would have given me the same story or experience as it would have without the I Lied interlude. It really gives each song a greater emphasis and connects with me as a listener on each track. And I hope it does the same for you. I think without the interludes, the album would seem much more unorganized and disconnected. And it would almost seem as if it's an album with songs that were just thrown together. Um, But with the interludes, it definitely is the opposite. Um, Jared, I mean, would you agree with me? How do you feel about the interludes? Yeah, I, I definitely think what you said is perfect. It really kind of helps bridge those themes of the album together. Um, I do like that they're also kind of really subdued in comparison with like the hyper pop songs, yeah. <laughs> like the main songs on the album. So it kind of gives the listener like kind of gives us a pause to kind of reflect more on what she's she's singing about. Yeah, I so. see what you mean. Like, I mean, the, you know, the interludes are more kind of slow and they're um, kind of more, they kind of tell a story, but then once you get to the song, it's, they tend to be a little bit more beady and a little bit poppy. And so I kind yeah. of, I think I see what you mean by that. 
Yeah, and it's kind of nice too. Like, I mean, if you want to skip the interludes, you can still have those like pop songs in the middle. Maybe if yeah. you want more of that storied experience, yeah. you can play the album back to back. But it's kind of nice. You kind of have that that choice as a listener. I love that that you analyzed it that way. Um, that's kind of actually a new analyzation for me that I'm just now getting now that you said that. Because in reality, I mean, I could go and play, I mean, all of these songs are bangers for the most part. Some of them being sad, yes, but they're all just like banging pop songs that you just want to dance to. And so I think without the interludes, I mean, yeah, I still want to dance. I still want to have a good time. I still want to want to feel the emotion of those songs. But... There's also another side to these songs uh, that you are shown with the interludes and it's more of a storyline. And so if you're, if you're in it for the storyline, then listen to the album front to back. And if you, there's just a certain few songs that resonate within within you, then go ahead, just play those few songs. Either way, the album is an amazing album. So I really love how you put that. So thank you so much, Jared. Banafi executes an acute strategy to the entire album, and she does so by taking us down her path of painful battles with her self-esteem, self-realization, and in-depth shares with us the issues that she's faced throughout her life. Look at Us Now leaves us with deep, painful, yet dance-worthy tracks on her debut, and we think this is just the beginning. We want to personally send a shout-out to Banafi for allowing us to play her album in its entirety and allowing us to share our thoughts on her dramatic ups and downs on the record. We would also like to personally thank Cascine Records for giving us full permission and licensing to do this um, and share her music with you. We are so thankful and so excited to for you to be able to hear this album with us. Banafi yearns to make her relationship with her dad work, and I hope that this album can help her do to do that. Um, but she didn't just do that. Banafi created a record that is conceived from a queer synth pop perspective, and this is an album that we will never be able to get out of our heads or out of our hearts. It's almost as if this record leaves listeners with a scar, and that scar does not belong to us. It belongs to Banafi. Jared, what are your final thoughts on the album? Yeah, I don't know if I can top what you said <laughs> about it, but I do think it's just such a, this album is just such a fine example of how sophisticated pop music can be. It's it's really easy to just listen to an album one time and get caught up in you know, how amazing it sounds. Um, and that's definitely what drew me into the album upon first listening. But I think if you sit down and you really listen to the themes and then pay attention to the lyrics, there's so much more here. The songs paint a picture of broken relationships, addiction, inherited trauma, and how we as humans have to reconcile with these things. Um, and it's definitely a very relatable album. I think anyone can listen and hear themselves in these songs. So it's it's definitely an outstanding accomplishment to be able to have both those insanely new and fresh sounding uh, songs um, sonically, but also to pair those with masterful lyrics so definitely thanks for sharing this album with the world Manafi, and allowing me to come on to your podcast and talk about it a little bit further oh, absolutely and thank you so so much for joining us jared um i'm just so thankful that you introduced me to this album and to Benafi. um 
because truly this album um it's it's moved mountains for me in my life um it actually came out at a perfect time for me in life um all of the songs kind of described and took me through the storyline of what exactly I was dealing with in life. And so I'm just very thankful for this album. I'm thankful um, that we were able to have Benafi here with us um, talking about her album and the pain she experienced writing it. Um, I also thank you, Jared, for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, If you'd like, absolutely. And if, um, any of you would like to learn more about Banafi, would like to learn more about our podcast, Prominent Albums Live, uh, visit our brand new website, albumslive.org, where you can find all of the updated information. We update it daily. Um, our announcements are announced we- almost weekly for new episodes. Um, and we also have background information on every album um, and artists that we review. So if you want to listen to this album, if again, if you want to um, be taken to Banafi's str- uh, social media sites, if you want links for those, if you want to see some of her music videos for these songs that we've described, all you have to do, you can find them all in one place. Just go to albumslive.org, click on episodes, and you'll find episode one. Ban- Banafi, look at us now, Dad, right there in the menu, and Everything you would like to know about Banafi and the album is right there. Um, Once again, thank you so, so much for joining us for our debut episode, listeners. I hope you come back soon. If you like what you hear, um, please share us with your friends. Follow us on social media. Prominent Albums Live is all you have to type in. We are so thankful that you joined us. And until next time, this is Tainzu. Don't forget to visit our brand new website, albumslive.org. Stay up to date on all of our new episode announcements and where you can listen to our full-length episodes in full right there on albumslive.org. Right now, I would like to make a very special announcement. We would like to announce our second episode. So our second episode is going to be my favorite artist of all time and many others I think can agree with me an amazing groundbreaking pop artist Lady Gaga her brand new album Chromatica just came out on May 29th and let me tell you it is one for the books y'all Lady Gaga's sixth album just came out and it is titled Chromatica and it is going to take us to a new dimension into a brand new world that you've never been to before. So join us on June 24th for the official release of our episode and review on Chromatica by Lady Gaga. It's going to be an amazing episode. We're going to have a great time. And I cannot wait to discuss the brand new album from the queen of pop herself, Lady Gaga. See you then, June 24th. Mark your calendars, everyone. And until then, goodbye. I love you all. Please share with your friends and subscribe.